Good morning, everyone. How are you today? You doing good? Awesome. I'm so glad to see you all here. It's so much better. Those people are just out. So much better. How many of you woke up this morning and said, good morning, Jesus? I am so glad I got to wake up this morning and see the sunrise or the sunset. I don't know if that's what I should say. But isn't it wonderful that we get to actually wake up, say good morning to him, and he's been waiting. He's been waiting for you to open your eyes, for that smile to come out, and for you to wake up and get ready and come in to praise him. So let's let's stand together. We got a new song for you, a couple new songs for you this morning. But this one's gonna get your blood moving a little bit. If you didn't go out for your early morning jog. All right. There's revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's the rhythm of a gospel song. There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. I got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I've got a heart overflowing cause I've been restored. There is nothing gonna steal my joy. No, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy in the valley. That I wonder Turn the mountain Till I can't climb Oh, you are with me Never leave me There ain't nothing There ain't nothing Gonna steal my joy I got an old Choir singing in my soul I got a sweet salvation And it's beautiful I've got a heart overflowing Oh, 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 oh,
glad to see you this morning. I was reading this week in the book of Isaiah where Isaiah said, uh, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips. Yet, yet, in spite of that, I have seen the King, the Lord of Israel. I am glad today that when we gather to worship, we have the opportunity to be in the presence of the King, the Lord of Israel. As we worship today, as we worship today, maybe, maybe you don't want to just stand there. Or maybe you don't want to just sit there. Maybe you feel like you'd like to move a little bit. <laughs> you see me up here, I'm just kind of dancing. While you were home watching us, on TV, Mackenzie was dancing over here, and I was dancing over here, and never the twain shall meet, you know? <laughs> I'm just saying, a week ago I mentioned that back in that wall, there's what we're calling the worship wall. And perhaps you would like to express yourself in some way while we worship. You can go back there and there are pins in those little baskets and maybe there's a prayer you'd just like to share, a word you'd like to express to God, something you want to give to Him. While we sing, while I preach, I want you to feel free to express your heart while we worship there. Let's sing together this morning as we worship. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies If you're trying to build the same old holes inside There's a better life There's a better life If you've got pain He's a pain taker Lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, save it. He's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. We've all searched for the light in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out. Same old fight. We've all tried to size eyes, hold inside. It's a better life. It's a better life. If you've got pain, it's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. You 
gonna testify If you believe it If you receive it If you can feel it Somebody testify, testify If you believe it If you receive it If you can feel it Somebody testify If you got pain Praise him more. Can you imagine what Paul was like sitting there in chains singing his praises? And then when they dropped off, he stayed put. I think I would have bolted. I would have been out of there. But how awesome is it that he sat there and praised him through his storm, through his trial. And then guess what? What happened when he praised and stayed? A prison guard got saved, right? That's a huge amen. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my truth Till I met you I was breathing but not alive Come on All my failures I tried to hide It was You called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. You called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into You called my name, 
they can be rough weeks. This song that we're going to do here is a new song, and boy, has it ministered to my heart. It has just been awesome. You can sit down if you want, or you can keep standing, whatever you want, however you feel led. This song has so much in it, but it also was really awesome because um, I'm going to, oh, he's already got it up for me. You're so good. So a couple of the verses in here that I wanted to show you is the mountains are still being moved and strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe and we can see that your hand is still moving. And then he says, and bodies are still being raised. And giants are still being slayed. Amen, right? God, we believe it. Yes, we can see that. Wonders are still what you do. Say giants are still being slayed. Giants are still being slayed. That means he's still working. He's still moving. And then, Pastor Tim, were you talking about Judges this week that you were reading? I was reading seven this weekend, Judges seven. And uh, that's when Gideon has to fight. I can never say that men something nights <laughs> and he has to fight him and there's 135,000 and God tells him to take his troop down to 300 300 that's a 1 in 450 ratio that's pretty overwhelming God was moving through that did they win yes they did God did some amazing things they took jars with them and they had their swords and they crashed their jars and they lit their torches and the 135,000 got scared and full of fear realizing that they were surrounded but all it was was noise and God's presence 
So it's pretty awesome to know that he still moves. He's still moving now. He's still moving in your circumstances, still moving in our world. And it's so comforting to know that he hasn't gone anywhere, that he's still moving. He's still slaying those giants. I mean, to see a giant fall, I bet that made some noise. And we all have giants in our lives, right? But God's got it. He's taken it. He's taking care of it. And it's so neat to see the word still stand true in our circumstances today. So before we start singing this song, I'm just going to sing a little bit for you so you can kind of get familiar with it. And it says, uh, the chorus is, We are here for you. Come and do what you do. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. It's a real simple chorus. And the verses will just minister to your heart. So we're going to teach this to you this morning. And we're going to sing how big he is. The mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe. Yes, we can see that wonders are still what to do. We are here for you, come and do what you do. We are here for you, come and do what you do.
presence will just descend on us now. Father, just keep touching each of our hearts and bringing us closer to you, Lord. We invite you here. We want you to be the honored guest. And I pray that everyone would just check all of our stuff at the door, Lord, so we can just be free to worship you, but be free to receive you too. So please be welcome in this place, Father, our King. We thank you for being here with us today. Lord, we just continue to worship you, and we thank you for everything that you do for us. In Jesus' name.
on TV, you know, because you scare me sometimes. Some of you are saying, what's with that coat you're wearing today? Because you weren't here all of the different weeks, there are things about me you don't know. And if I had the opportunity to uh, be with you every, every Sunday, like would be normal, you would have discovered that I dress different sometimes just to make you wonder what in the world is he doing. Sometimes I wear a full suit with a vest and a tie and sometimes I wear jeans and a t-shirt and sometimes I wear a button-down shirt and today I'm wearing this jacket. It's called a frock jacket and I'm wearing it because on the 12th of July, I'm preaching at the Cowboy Church in Colorado Springs. So I'm trying to get used to this, you know, this whole thing. Didn't you enjoy having Eric on the bass guitar today and Tyler on the keyboards? A couple, uh, couple of members of our praise team that we hadn't had up here during my tenure. How many children are sitting in here today? Would you raise your hand if you're a child <laughs> and under 70? <laughs> Kids, I want to invite you to make sure you're back next week because I'm going to have my pastor's pouch here next Sunday. And you're going to come down here and visit with me next Sunday and we're going to have a good time together. If you have a Bible, you could turn with me to 2 Timothy Chapter 4, if you don't have a Bible, I think it's going to be on the screen. But let me begin reading with verse 1. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. That's just my magnetic personality doing that. So, And, and a good time for me to tell you 
that sometimes because people have varying degrees of understanding or um, desire about volume, we have a basket of earplugs back there. If you ever need them, they're there for you just to try to make sure you're comfortable. Let me start again. Chapter 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, and this is Paul writing to Timothy, but you, you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Demacia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark, bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. In the last few weeks, I've been thinking a lot about church and worship. And I've been impressed by the fact that so many times when we come to church, we make what happens here all about us. I make it about me. When I come to church, our attitude these days seems to be across this nation and around the world, I want church to cater to my comfort and my taste and my likes. And how rarely we come and it's all about God. What does he like? What does he expect from us? What is he looking for from us as we gather here? How rarely I am even aware of his holiness because I'm too busy seeking mine. I've been challenged in my own spirit, as I said, in my little office there in the garage of my home to lower my hands, to stop fighting in an effort to somehow impress God, but rather to relax and trust that Jesus really did pay it all so that you don't have to. 
Whenever I stand in this place, whether it's in this church or some other place where I'm preaching, whenever I'm here as preacher, teacher, I want to share biblical stories and lessons and principles with you, something that is meaningful. But deep inside my own spirit, there is a desire to do more. Any pastor worth his salt feels the same thing. You want to give, you want to give something more. You want to give people something they can cling to when life is tough and the answers seem few. Maybe it's just a word or a, a little phrase or, or some thought that, that they can hang on to when they leave because let's just face the facts that most of us, after we hear a sermon, we remember very little of it. But how I want you to walk from this place with some thought in your heart or mind that will resonate with you through the week. Something that would, would take your stressed out, wandering spirit back to that place where you first found peace with Almighty, Holy God that place where you first stopped fighting and trying to earn it and realize you can lower your arms and just receive it. And I find that idea bundled up neatly in this passage from Paul. Paul is finishing up his second email to Timothy and he's pouring out his heart and he's challenging this young protege. He had been and would continue to be a mentor to Timothy. And as he brings this plea for faithfulness in ministry to a close and as he shares from his own heart his own burden and his own discouragement, he shares this little phrase in verse 10 that jumps out at us. In the old King James Version, it says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. But in the version I read for you this morning, the New International Version, it says, For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. And I wonder if Demas wasn't like a lot of us who are so busy trying to earn a relationship with God that we fail to understand that we can lower our arms and receive it. Demas just faded away. He gave up. Have you ever had one of those kinds of days in your faith where you wondered, is it worth it? My guess is that we all have. We've all felt like just throwing in the towel. Somewhere in Paul's evangelistic endeavors, there was the conversion of a young man. His name was Demas, and he had a good name. 
and his companionship was treasured. People were eager to be around him. He was someone who had a bit of charisma. He was talented. Uh, some would even say that he was brilliant. He, he was a natural evangelist, and he had this great desire to succeed. And some of you are saying, where do you get all that from that one little verse? Because Paul was so impressed with him that he invited him to join he and Luke in their, in their evangelistic team. So this guy had something that drew Paul to him. So Demas would join them. He would travel the world around the Mediterranean and he would share the good news with them, the good news of Jesus, and they would start new churches wherever they could. So he went with them to places that he never would have seen and he met people that he never would have had the experience of meeting had it not been for the fact that he had come into relationship with Jesus Christ and through that he started rubbing shoulders with Paul and Luke and Mark. Paul was proud of him. So proud that when he wrote the letter to the Colossians, he mentions Demas. And he was mentioned again in the letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. And in both instances, he is mentioned with genuine warmth. He was loved. In that passage in Colossians chapter 4, it's verse 14, where Paul writes, listen to what he says, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. So here's Demas. He's considered on the same level with Dr. Luke. Or in Philemon, your New Testament, it's one chapter long. It's kind of easy to flip right past it. But in verse 24, Paul says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. But something happened to Demas. When Paul gets to the second letter to Timothy, something has changed. And now he writes, Demas has deserted me. And that's a verse that may not mean very much to the casual reader of the New Testament if you do not know those other two references exist. And when you do know that, and then you come to this verse, you have to ask the question, what happened? Was he... I'm going to get judgmental here. Was he really committed? Was he really converted? Or was his conversion kind of a matter of convenience and driven by a desire to be part of something that looked so incredibly exciting? Or was he seduced by the surroundings and the experiences that he saw those people having? Or was he discouraged by trying to... Was he discouraged by those he was trying to help? Listen, if you go into ministry, you better know you've been called. Because about the first 30 days you're there, you're going to get discouraged. So I can understand if that would be the case. And I guess all of those things are possibilities. My, my desire is not to bash Demas today. He gets plenty of that. 
but he reminds me of so many people that I've known across 48 years of ministry who make a terrific start in the faith. And then they quit. They never finish. And if I may, let me speculate a bit. I would almost bet that somewhere in the process, Demas used some phrases that are very familiar around the church or in our homes or in our relationships. I would almost bet you that he was saying things like, you know, I just don't agree with the philosophy of the church anymore. Really? You know, when I've heard that across these years of ministry, 80% of the time, what that really meant was, I don't want to do this anymore. Or I've heard some say, I feel that it's time for me to take a break from my responsibilities. Oh, give it up. Just be honest. I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, get a grip. And then couples in my church, I've had them come to me, one of them come to me and say, you know, I don't believe God wants me in this marriage anymore. Well, that's convenient. What marriage does he want you in? See, that's Demas talk. It's the vocabulary of the person who's looking for a way out. And sometimes we look for a way out of our faith walk. NFL Films was the brainchild of Ed Sable and his son Steve later took it over. When he came home from World War II, Ed, he made a living selling top coats and trench coats and raincoats. And then when he was married, someone gave them as a wedding gift a little 8mm movie camera. And as Ed's son Steve grew and started playing football, Ed pulled out that movie camera. And he started going to the games and taking exposures of his son playing football. And then he would take them home and he learned how to edit the film. And he started working with that and it began to grow into a small company. And in 1962, he bid $5,000 for the ability to film the NFL championship game, he did so. He won the opportunity, $5,000. So he filmed the game and he put it with music. And if you've ever turned on your television set and found the NFL film running, you didn't turn it. You watched it. Because he became so adept at capturing the right moments, putting them on film, having the right music playing underneath. And then he found that incredible narrator on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. And you listen to that. You wanted to hear more. But Ed Sable discovered something that caused him to come up with a motto for that company. 
And their motto became four letters, F-L-A-P. What's that spell? Flap. Here's what it stands for. Finish like a pro. And they used that because they, re, they, they, they discovered that when a game started getting near the end, if it wasn't a close game, if it was a blowout kind of a game, the cameraman had a tendency to take the camera off his shoulder and just watch. And the guy with that fluffy microphone out on the end of that long boom would lower that mic. And then guess what would happen? The play of the game would happen, and they didn't capture it. And so they came up with that motto, finish like a pro. And the motto was designed to keep their crew from becoming complacent. You see, it's not enough to make a great start. How are you going to finish? Here's what I find in my life. There are those moments when I lower my arms and I realize that God's grace is enough. And then I start moving through my life and my faith and I find that I start lifting my arms back up and putting fists on the end of them and trying to fight my way into some kind of incredible relationship with God. When in reality, I need to surrender myself into that great relationship with God. Let me share with you another story. This time it's from the Old Testament, and you know this story. His name is Job. Somewhere, Job had an experience with God. I don't know what kind of a relationship they had built, but there was a relationship there. We think of conversion these days. I don't know that he was converted. It was almost as though it had just, he had lowered his arms and surrendered. And when we're introduced to him, he is already the topic of a conversation between God and Satan. He's a good man. So much so that God says to Satan, hey, take a look at my, my servant Job. There is no one on earth like him. That's pretty high praise. He is blameless and upright. He is a man who fears God and shuns evil. And then he says, you can do anything you want to to him except take his life. Oh, God, don't tell Satan that about me. For the next 42 chapters, he is living a horror movie. His life would be described as disaster, and disease, and death, and discouragement, and despair. This man, who was wealthy, lost his wealth, lost his animals, lost his home, lost his children, lost his wife, lost his health. He's sitting on a pile of ashes, scraping boils with a piece of broken pottery. 
when before he had been sitting on the top of the world. And here he is now. And then you come to Job 42, verse 12. Listen to these words. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. You know why? He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He lowered his arms in surrender. And he finished like a pro. He didn't take the camera off his shoulder. He didn't lower the microphone. Some of us here started with great promise in life, great promise in your faith walk, your desire to follow Christ. But some of us didn't start so well. But you can finish like a pro. Maybe there's a marriage in this church that's in trouble, and I don't know who you are. I want to challenge you to finish like a pro. Maybe there's a young man or young woman here this morning who's new to faith in Christ. Finish like a pro. Maybe there's someone here who's battling an addiction and you started down the road to recovery. Don't just start. Finish like a pro. Some of you have been walking in faith for decades. Finish like a pro. Most of you may be aware of the fact that they are surveying, they are charting, charting what they're calling a new group in the church world these days. It's people 50, 60 years of age and older, and they're referred to as the Duns, D-O-N-E-S. It's an actual group. And it's people like me who have come to the decision that church doesn't do it for them anymore. And they're done. So they never come. They've given it up. Oh, they say they still have their faith and they still have a relationship with God through Christ, but they're just done with all that the church is, with all of the politics and all of the mess and all of the stuff that it can become. Man, you've come too far. Quit now. Don't take the camera off your shoulder. Don't lower that microphone. You're too close. So, preacher, just for the sake of discussion here this morning or conversation, let's say I am one who has lowered the camera. I've put down the microphone. How do I get back? to finish like a pro. Let me just share with you four ideas. One of those is daily surrender to Christ. Surrendering, lowering my arms and admitting, apart from you, I can't do this. Hear and heed the words of that old song that said it's not in trying but in trusting. Don't miss the fact that there is an ebb and flow to life in Christ. 
There are moments, there are days, there are weeks when you're just moving from mountaintop to mountaintop. And then there are those seasons when it feels like the mountain has been bulldozed away and you're living in a valley. Let God introduce you to his grace again, his sustaining grace, his keeping grace that will walk with you through those days. You don't have to be fighting him. You can be surrendering to him. The second thing is integrity. By that I mean be honest in your relationship with God. Did you ever tell God you were angry at him? It's okay. He can handle that. Did you ever tell God you were disappointed with him? It's okay. He can handle that. You know what I find myself doing? I play these mental games with God sometimes as though if I don't say it out loud, He doesn't hear it. And I get in this process of working to manipulate Him. If I don't say it, He can't hear it. Hmm. I wonder if I did this, if He would respond this way. And I get to playing games with Him. Integrity. And have you ever noticed, just in relationships with people, how some people will question your integrity, but never their own? Integrity in our faith walk simply means being true to yourself and to God. And listen, other people may talk about you and criticize you. But you're never going to be defeated by what other people say about you. But you will be defeated by what you say about yourself. Surrender daily. Be a person of integrity. Third, check your attitude. Folks, in my opinion, this might have been the biggest problem Demas faced. Perhaps others receive more attention. Here's the way I picture it. Demas is on the evangelistic team bus. Luke is there, Mark, some of the others. Paul is probably driving the thing because he was a high D personality and he was always in charge. And they roll into a town and they come up to the street corner, first and main, and it's a vacant seat, that street corner and that's where they're going to put up the tent. And they get off the bus and they start unloading the trailer from the back. And they're pulling out the big canvas pieces. And they're pulling out those tall poles that are going to hold it up. And then they start setting up those white wooden folding chairs that rattle every time you unfold one. And they're setting them all up in a nice line, kind of like this, making sure they're six feet apart so COVID doesn't get them. And they're setting everything up. And Demas... He's standing over there at the side and he's watching. And he's thinking to himself, I set up almost every one of these stairs, chairs. I'm the one that pulled the canvas out of the tent. I'm the one that put the poles up. And these religious superstars, they walk in and they get up on the platform and they get all the glory. And I'm the guy that's been doing all the grunt work. 
And so he took the camera off his shoulder and he lowered the microphone and his attitude cratered. I know that's speculation. Take it for what it's worth. It's a preacher telling you a story. But there's another thing that I think is important, and that is this quest for excellence. When I lower my arms and surrender to Him, I am not doing that to just get by or to just make do in my relationship with Him. I am doing that in a desire to have a relationship that is far more fulfilling. Tell me if you think this is true after the service. Some of the best friends I have had in life were relationships that just happened. I didn't walk into a room and spot somebody and say, I think I'm going to make them my friend. No. If it's Ronnie Phillips in elementary school or David Converse in middle school or Mike Pledger in high school and college, those were guys that I just happened to rub up against in, in a class and something happened. I think sometimes, I think, I think, that we get so focused in on, I'm going to build the perfect relationship with God. So much so that we do not surrender to Him and just let it happen. May it be said of you, the Lord blessed the latter part of His life, her life, more than the first. God wants you to finish strong, finish like a pro. And if we listen to Him, He is so faithful in our surrender to coach us, to encourage us. I was reminded this week of when I served as interim pastor up in Portland at Portland First Church for five months. And every Monday morning, I found about six guys that were meeting at an IHOP, old guys like me. And I started going to meet with them. And we would go to the IHOP and we would have breakfast together and we'd talk about what happened at church yesterday and what's going to happen this next week. And though I'm the interim guy, they acted like they thought I actually knew. I don't know. I'm just a fill-in guy. And we had great time. And we would share with one another and we would pray together and we would leave. And one Monday morning while we were there, one of the guys reminded me that he made ballpoint pins as a hobby. He did it with his little lathe. And he had the lathe and all the necessary equipment. And one Monday, he asked me if I'd like to come and make one. I said, sure. What do I know about a lathe? I, yeah. 
So I made the appointment and I went by his home. Knocked on the front door. He took me through the house, out the back door, and out to his little shop there in the back. And there was this little lathe. And there on the table were all of these blanks about the length of a ballpoint pen, but they were square rectangles. And he said, those are different kinds of wood. Pick the one that you would like. And I found one that I thought looked especially impressive, and I just said, that one. And I was very excited about trying this thing because I'd never used a lathe before. So I picked out the wood, and I found out how to prepare the piece and to get it attached to the chuck in the lathe and how to use the, the, the tool. I'm going to call it a chisel. It's probably got some other name. You lathe guys know, but I don't know. I'm just going to call it a chisel that you hold in there. And as that thing started to spin, it was spinning so fast. And he guided me. He told me how to put that chisel into that spinning piece of wood in... in, in in such a way that I wouldn't kill him or injure myself. And so the chips were flying and the lathe was spinning and I watched that small piece of wood turn into a cylinder and then it took shape and character as he gave me a little more freedom and I started moving that tool a little more to put some ridges in this pan to make it have a unique shape. When it was finished, he took it out of the lathe and he inserted the tip and then the clip at the other end. He helped me do that and he coached me. He didn't do it. He just made sure I did it right. And... God does that for you. And He's doing it right now. He's coaching you about that situation you're in, that thing you're facing, that uncertainty that you're going through. He's doing it right now. And He's challenging you. If faith has become something that seems to be further out on the periphery of life, he is challenging you to dust yourself off and stand up and put the camera back on your shoulder and pick the microphone back up. He's coaching you to finish like a pro, to finish strong. We used to sing an old song. I don't even remember the tune to it. But the words were, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. And that is the result of someone lowering their arms in surrender. Pray with me. Father in heaven. We walk into this place every time wondering what you may want to do for us or say through us and believing 
that perhaps you have something for us. Father, this day, we simply want to ask you to walk with us as we consider the idea again today of lowering our arms and waiting in surrender before you and trusting you that your grace is enough, that you haven't forgotten us, that you haven't left us. Father, that person sitting here today who is the most discouraged, Father, challenge them again to finish like a pro. That couple here today whose marriage is in trouble, challenge them to try again and finish like a pro. That old guy like me who's wondering perhaps if it's been worth it, all that he's invested in the church and in time. Father, challenge us not to stop, but to just keep on keeping on. I pray, Father, that your people would be blessed today and go from this place with an idea in mind that they might finish like a pro. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Do I see Mike? Mike, where's Mike? There he is. Just hang on here for a minute, folks. I have a little oil here, Mike, and I'd like to anoint you today. The Bible tells us if there are any sick among us to anoint them with oil and pray. And my brother here is facing surgery a few days, and I want us as a church to just lift him in prayer. Almighty God, we are your children, your people. And Lord, in an effort to simply be obedient to your word, today I anoint my brother in the name of Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and ask that you would touch his body and bring him health. And Father, should that surgery still be necessary, I pray that you'll give him confidence and courage that you'll go before him and make everything just the way it should be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen and amen. A couple of things to share with you before we go today. Is there someone else I need to anoint today that I don't know about? Someone? If that's you, if you'll lift your hand, we'll do that. I didn't come in here planning to do that. But I just want to make sure we're patient in the presence of the Lord. Am I seeing a hand somewhere? Miss McKenzie. Pastor Jim, would you join me up here? 
Almighty God, we bring our sister in Christ to you this day. You know her heart. You know her brokenness. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring restoration and healing to her broken life. That she would sense even this day a new awareness and a new ability to just surrender and trust you. Father, we ask these things in the name of your son Jesus. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Thank you. Do you ever come in to a place in a church where you just feel like maybe it's time to just Wait for a moment. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm trying to be sensitive. That's all. Before we go today, couple of things that I need to share with you. Vacation Bible School is coming up and we need volunteers. And if you're willing to volunteer, there are some sign-up sheets on a table out in the foyer. Please take this to heart. We need you. The other thing I want to mention to you is that next Sunday is not only Father's Day, but it is also the day of our youth silent auction where they're raising funds for their mission trips. And so things will be set up here and in the foyer beginning at 9 o'clock next Sunday. And it's a silent auction. So you can walk through and make a bid. And at the conclusion of the service, then, you can still bid more, but we'll be announcing those who won those things. I also want to mention to you today as you leave, they, the ushers will be standing there with offering plates for you because we didn't pass them today. I kind of like that. If you want to give, and we pray that you do, you can do so as you leave. One other thing this morning. In uh, years past, you as a church supported choices here in town. And you did so by us distributing baby bottles to you. And you filled those with coins or money. And then we brought them all back. This morning, we're going to do something a little different with that. And we have the director of choices here today, Miss Diane Allen. Diane, would you come and just give us an update let me find you a microphone here. This one, Jerry. Does this one work? Let me try another one because I don't know how to turn these things on. Let's try this one. Thank you.
Try that one. I think they all turned them off when they left. I don't know. I think maybe I got this one. Hey, I do. Thank you, Dan. Good morning. It's wonderful to see everyone again and not be behind a screen yes. watching Pastor here. Today is a different day than usual when I, we're doing the baby bottle campaign. Many of you in the past have filled these bottles, and it's been such a blessing to us at Choices. Because of the pandemic, though, we're asking not to do that. And instead, Scott's going to put a screen slide up. On our website, we do have a little green button that says Donate Now. And we would love for you to do it that way, or you can always mail it in or drop it by. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 5166, Woodland Park, 80866. But let me just fill you in a little bit about what has happened during this pandemic. We actually closed on March 8th, and we're able to work from home, most of us. Mackenzie here was bagging diapers for us. I was working on work instructions for some of our new software that we've implemented. But we actually are back in the building as of June 1st. And so we're offering all the same services, free pregnancy testing, ultrasounds, STI testing, and we are able to now start doing parenting classes in-house, which we've been doing online with our clients, which has been a challenge. But, you know, God is such a God of challenges that he's been able to enable us to continue these relationships with our clients, even remotely. So we so thank God for that. But we would really appreciate any gifts you can give to Choices so we can continue to do his work there. So this morning, because you didn't have, we didn't give you the baby bottles to take home, we have a little display there at the back, and we want to receive a love offering for choices today. There's a little pink and white hat box there, and you can put some money in there as you leave, a check. Just go ahead and put your credit card in there. They'll take it. They'll be glad to have it. Your cash, your checks, whatever. Now, I understand that last year through those baby bottles, we brought in like $300. And I'm wondering if we can do that today just as we walk out. Some extra cash you have in your pocket. Put your tithe in the offering plates at the doors. Put your love offering in that hat box there just to your left, my right of that sound Let's stand together. What's the motto? Flap. What's it stand for? Finish like a pro. Don't give up. Lower your arms. Lower your arms. And receive His grace. Almighty God, we give you thanks. In the name of your Son, Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great day. Look upon him who was